Welcome to ArcNex Sessions, episode 55. I'm Paul, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Amelia, Donna, and Ken. Our guest this week is Dean Frederick Steiner. Last week, the dean announced that he was to resign from his position at the University of Texas at Austin, accepting an offer to become the new dean at Penn Design starting July 1st of this year. His decision to accept the new position was motivated by the recent changes in state law extending the campus carry regulations to allow concealed weapons inside of campus buildings. Chris Steiner, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, We wanted to speak with you specifically about this news that has become more than just an architectural issue and and more than just an American academia issue, but one that surfaced after a new state law went into effect in Texas, allowing concealed weapons inside buildings on the campuses of public universities. As we understand, after this new law is going to go into effect in, uh, I believe, in July of this year, or August of this year? August 1st. August 1st. On August 1st? Which is, the ironically, the 50th anniversary of the tower shootings here at the University of Texas. Oh, my. There is oh. no... That's so <laughs> ironic and awful. Yeah, it's just terrible. That seems remarkably tone deaf. Um, <laughs> exactly. Well, so, and your position in all this is that after this announcement was made, you had also received an offer to take the, the position of the deanship at Penn Design and decided that you would take that opportunity now that this new law was going to go into effect to take that new position. Can you maybe just share a little bit about your thought process after, of course, being offered probably competing offers before to leave University of Texas Austin? What kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back? Was it only this campus carry law that going into effect that made you decide to leave? Well, let's go back and talk about a few things. First of all, Karen, currently, Someone with license can carry a a gun on campus, but not into buildings. So what this law did was change that so that an individual with a uh, concealed weapons license permit can carry them in the building. So one of the challenges of the law is for the university then to decide, and it only applies to public universities, is to decide where in buildings a gun can be carried. Now, of course, the reaction of the police, the administration, most of the faculty and most of the students is that it should be allowed and it shouldn't be allowed anywhere in a building. However, by the law, uh, we're required to specify and justify areas where you can't carry a gun personally. And, and it will go into to effect on August the 1st, which uh, is the day that such laws do go into effect, which uh, with some irony is the 50th anniversary of um, the horrible tower shootings here at the University of Texas campus. With me, uh, like many faculty at the University of Texas, we're fairly constantly recruited by other universities. And I love uh, I love the School of Architecture at UT and uh, love Austin and pretty much had a standard answer that, no, I'm happy here and thanks and flattered for being asked. What was different this year was uh, I felt that there was sort of a general erosion of support for public higher education in Texas. We've, even though the state has been, the economy has been really booming, we've experienced very um, sharp uh, cutbacks, budgetary cutbacks. We've been faced with, um, you know, a, a regents, a board of regents, which uh, some of the members questioned the role of a, a public uh, research university and created a challenge to our, our president, who eventually resigned. And um, there were a number of mandates that the state required, which uh, I, I think in, made me feel that there uh, was an erosion of state support. 
and including the campus carry the campus carry law, which was targeted to public universities. And my students and faculty colleagues uh, were, once the law was passed, were very concerned about it. And so it was in that context that uh, when I started to get um, the re- the calls to, to look at other universities, instead of automatically saying no, I, I said um yeah, let's talk about it. And, and a, a couple emerged as, as, as real possibilities. And then I decided that really, if I was going to go someplace else, the only place I really wanted to return to is the University of Pennsylvania. So I told the others no and focused uh, on the University of Pennsylvania. And luckily, they wanted me to come back as well. And so uh, that's, that's sort of the, the, the story. So say you were to continue in the course of this new law. And uh, if you were to keep the deanship at at Austin, what is the dean's position in enforcing this new law? And you spoke before about creating certain regulations and guidelines. Well, yeah, it's, for example, the can a gun come in, a concealed handgun come into a studio or not? The faculty don't think it should. Uh, currently, the president, who I, I'm very supportive of, I mean, he's not in favor of this law either, uh, put together a very thoughtful task force that recommended where concealed weapons could be and where they couldn't be. And currently, according to the recommendation, in cla- they, they can be carried into a classroom or a studio. So if a professor says, no, I don't want one in in my studio or my classroom, that's a violation of the law. And partially, I'm responsible for enforcing the law. And the way the legislation was written, there are penalties if you don't follow the law. So the the faculty member or or I could be penalized for not uh, obeying the law. So I can't prohibit guns. As, As a dean of the school, I can't prohibit guns in certain spaces, nor can a faculty member. So that's that's uh, that would be my responsibility. And I find that, um, you know, I could do a Kim Davis and, and um, say I'm not going to follow the law, but I'm a law-abiding citizen. And, and uh, so I have um, the choice of either following the law or, or finding another position. And so I found another position. What has the reaction been among your, your colleagues and fellow faculty at the school about your decision? Uh, they've been extremely supportive. It is incredibly collegial faculty, so they're very accomplished faculty, and they've been extremely supportive of my decision. And then at the same time, um, sad to see me go, and I'm sad to leave. What do you consider to be the general consensus about this new law? And also, what was the overall or the general attitude about concealed guns on campus prior to this law coming into effect among the faculty and, and, and school community? In general, before that, when the law was being considered, the university was monitoring the law and the thought was that it wasn't going to pass. So there wasn't a whole lot of concern because the assumption was that this didn't make much sense. So it wasn't going to pass. And, and quite literally in the 11th hour of the, the, the session is when it was passed. It was, um, it was only a few minutes left to go into session. So it took, uh, the university community, I think quite by surprise, and there's been numerous faculty protests and student protests since. Our faculty has discussed it at several faculty meetings, and at one faculty meeting, there was a resolution to express concern about the uh, law and it passed unanimously by our faculty. So, Dean Steiner, this is Donna. Keeping in mind that our our podcast audience is architects, architecture students and architects very specifically, I would like to bring the conversation a little to the realm of architects in the public discourse. 
on the the Arcanec website, there's been a lot of discussion and a lot of the discussion whenever you bring up guns goes to sort of weird places with gun rights and that's all just a bunch of noise. But I think my takeaway from the whole topic has been that you said, I'm making a public statement here that this is why I am leaving this job because this is my belief. And I would like to hear a little more of your opinion on architects and our responsibility within the public realm to make those kinds of statements, to, you know, engage in that, even when we know it may be controversial. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, somehow, I, uh, when I was, first of all, I didn't set out to make a public statement. I was asked by a reporter for the Texas Tribune if this was a factor in me leaving. And I said, yes, it is a factor. It's not the factor, but it's a factor. And I think if we are to look in, let's, there, there's a couple of dimensions of the built environment and architecture where I think this is relevant. And the first is architecture education. And mm-hmm. we all know that the, the core of architecture education is the studio. Mm-hmm. And the studio involves, first of all, students investing lots of time and energy in their projects. And we, I think we've worked very hard to uh, improve studio culture, but it's still a a huge amount of personal investment. And our job if, as faculty is to look at the projects and say, sometimes say, well, you know, that's not, that doesn't work very well. The building may look good, but it's going to fall down. And you think <laughs> about this, you know, so it's it's a, a an exchange that is emotional. And uh, and if anybody hasn't been in that environment as much as we've, you know, I t- I think we we're much more polite and less critical in a than we used to be, but it's still a very intense learning experience. I think a very valuable learning experience. I can't imagine how enter, introducing a firearm to that to a studio review in any way could enhance that learning experience. You know, one looks at almost unfortunately on a, a daily or weekly basis of uh, workplace shootings and and um, uh, school shootings. So it's in the workplace, in educational environments where people are presenting their work or defending their thesis or defending their dissertation or taking an examination. These are very tense situations where people can can, can uh, get angry. So I think that there's one sort of whole realm of, of, of consideration is how it would affect the architectural education experience. You know, the the larger question is uh, about architecture in general is how to how do you design a school or how do you design a, you know, a workplace or how do you design a college campus where firearms are part of the equa- equation. You know, I've been very deeply involved in uh, our campus design and planning over the years, and and um, you know, this was a, a realm of safety that we n- never had to consider before. It's also kind of interesting what uh, what is excluded from the law. There's um, uh, where people drink, like athletic events where people drink alcohol, handguns aren't permitted, which I think is a, <laughs> it's a good thing. Good idea. <laughs> um, and so there, there um, you know, there is sort of um, an understanding that, that there are some, some situations where probably having a gun is not a great idea and being drunk and um, yelling for your football team probably is one of those occasions. <laughs> well, you were, Fritz, you were kind of moving in the direction I was going to ask you about is what do you think as a design professional or as a, as an architect, do you think there are things that we should be focusing on when we're creating spaces? I mean, I've, I've worked on K-12 and security was always an issue in terms of K-12 environments. 
always trying to either prevent or non-custodial parents or anything like of that nature. But do you see architecture playing a role in how we start to create safe spaces? And, you know, I was thinking about Jane Jacobs and thinking about this wouldn't, certainly adding firearms would not be one of the things that she would be thinking about in terms of creating a quality urban environment. No, her ideas about you know, I, ways of increasing safety, the more eyes on the street and so on. And I, I think that's probably a, a really fascinating area for architects to explore is if the argument by the people that are in favor of more guns is that it would create safer environments, which I, I don't think is a good argument, but that's their position. Is there some ways that we could design environments that would be more safe by their nature. And I think that's without necessarily introducing firearms. And I, and I think how the visibility of spaces, the access, and those kinds of questions are very uh, important for architects. And um, it's a real contribution, I think, that architecture can make to the built environment. And it's also at the basis of uh, architecture licensure. It's, um, it's health, safety, and welfare. So architects, by the very um, legal core of licensure, are um, responsible for creating healthy and safe um, environments. And, and so I think that this is another dimension of, of, of that um, fundamental re- professional requirement. I know it, um, since the law is going into effect uh, later this year, um, it obviously didn't really have a tremendous amount of impact, but had the news reports and videos of people showing up to, to local restaurants, uh, targets, and with all of their associated semi-automatic weapons um, as a display of their first or their second amendment rights, did that have any impact or, or did it impact the students or the community? Does that, does that reflect, did, did that, anyone reflect on just those moments and, and how unsafe people felt in those moments where there's supposedly these good guys with guns walking around? Uh, yeah, it was very uh, unnerving. And it, it's been covered certainly in the local press. And, um, and, and uh, during the, the discussion in the legislature, some of those guys showed up in the legislature and it even freaked out the, the, the legislators. So, <laughs> um, yeah. so, yeah, I mean, you see, you, you know, you're walking along and you see somebody carrying an automatic weapon. It's not, it, it's not a, the most pleasant uh, feeling one gets. So now that you're moving to Pennsylvania to be the dean at Penn Design, did you have you had any conversations with the administrators and leaders there about what's happening at UT Austin and and how it's kind of bringing up these questions about what the spaces of architectural education are for? Maybe there's a a kind of silver lining to bring to your new role that uh, of, from reflections that you've been able to make now. Um, not in specific terms, no. I think that in the discussions I had, they knew that I was very uh, attached to the University of Texas. So we, uh, there was a, a great amount of empathy about the general challenges. Uh, private and public universities both have, have challenges, but public universities in particular have, uh, have uh, uh, for example, um, are the state, oh gosh, not that long ago, supported 50% of our budget. It's now less than 13%. So we're in a, we're in a, a we've been able to remain very competitive and very good, mainly through private philanthropy. We've had very strong support from alumni and from um, uh, friends of the school, and that have made us uh, a, a really good school. 
But at the same time, there's less state support, yet more state mandates to do things like open carry uh, and other things. It's not the only thing. And so I think that the in, in, a, in a very general sense, the folks at Penn were certainly aware of that context that I was in and understood why I was uh, considering looking at other options. I, I think uh, Penn is an urban university. It's a beautiful campus, but still it's right in the middle of a, a big city. And they've certainly had to address uh, sort of issues of of, um, of crime and violence. And, and I think that uh, it's not it's something that I think Penn has handled very well to create a safe environment for its students. Uh, so it's, uh, and I know that I'm going to be involved in the the, the campus planning and design there. And uh, so I, um, these are very good questions that I'm, I'm sure we'll be uh, addressing into the future. So Fritz, can you talk to a little bit more about about Penn? I, I've been to Penn uh, a few times. Um, I have not been to uh, UT. So one of the comments about the two schools is is the is the violence in the surrounding community. And could you talk a little bit about more how it was handled in the various in the two locations? Boy, I mean, I've been on Penn and I've always felt safe. I always felt safe being on the Penn campus. I used to go to uh, I I graduated from uh, New Jersey Institute of Technology up in Newark, and I always felt pretty safe. Um, I knew if I got into uh, an area, it was particularly unsafe that I was you know at risk, but I never really felt terribly threatened. Um, but the general sense of the uh, architect from the architect textual community that has been commenting on this has been, you're more likely to be violently assaulted or attacked or have incidents of violence in, in Penn than you would be in Austin. And it sounds like, I mean, again, from my experience at Penn, that I felt really comfortable there on the campus. And that wasn't the case. Well, you know, again, I mean, I you know, lived in Philadelphia when it was a much less safe city than it is today. In the in the 70s and then again in the early 80s, um, Penn has done a number of things to create a more safe environment. One is the campus was completely redesigned and made much more pedestrian. It was it's much more of a pedestrian campus. So a lo- large parts of of Penn are um, are are basically um, were former city streets that are not now um, pedestrian malls. So uh, there's First of all, it really is a refuge in the city, much like early uh, universities in Bologna or Paris or Krakow were were uh, in literal refuges. The other thing that Penn has done is is um, a, a very strong security system, so that buildings um, are tightly controlled to enter, or, uh, and so there's been an effort to create a um, and it's a really effective uh, security system. Also, the the areas around Penn have uh, the Penn has worked with the surrounding communities to uh, improve them. And 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 at one time it was sort of um, Penn was gobbling up all the neighbors, and 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 that's changed to Penn working with the surrounding neighborhoods in a really positive way. Uh, you know, UT Austin is also an urban campus. Austin's a great place, but it's not. It's not without crime. And like Penn, the University of Texas intruded on adjacent neighborhoods and sometimes in a heavy-handed way. Also like Penn, I think we've, we, the University of Texas, has learned to do a better job and is doing a much 
better job at working with its neighbors. But it's 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 both are in urban contexts, and so both there there's certainly um, problems with crime adjacent to both the Penn and the and, and the University of Texas campuses. So I think that maybe the, the it's a bit of a stereotype that that Philadelphia is a big East Coast city. Uh, again, I, you know, I've lived there. I lived there when the, the crime was much worse, and I was very happy there, and and um, uh, always felt safe. And I would I worked in center cities and bars until late at night, and took the subway uh, back to West Philadelphia at two and three in the morning. And uh, so I have, I, have, I I think that, um, that both both cities have their challenges, but um, I, I think it's unfair to to characterize one as more dangerous than the other. Fritz, I'd like to return just really quickly to a point that Donna brought up briefly about the role of the architect in public discourse and kind of presenting maybe the community of architects and their opinions or thoughts on certain issues such as things like open carry laws or or like the changes that are happening um, currently at Texas. And so I wanted to ask you about your role as the presidential appointee to the AIA do you have any plans or have you thought at all about how or if you would like to kind of bring this issue up to that level and discuss at that level what, if any, architects' obligation should be to kind of voice their concerns about such issues, at least in the academic setting? Well, uh, that was last year. I was a one-year ah, okay. appointee, so I'm, I'm no longer ill. Unfortunately, I lo- I lo- that was a great <laughs> experience, and I was honored to serve uh, for a year. And I, I think I don't want to get off the the, the the topic, but what I came away from with from my experience on the AIA board was more uh, the work we need to do to attract African Americans to the profession, and especially African American women. And the, the numbers there are are, are awful. And I, again, this is a different topic, but you, you brought up that experience. And that's sort of what I was left with from that experience is the amount of work that needs to be done in that area and and what um, my role as an academic can be to to try to address that because I think it's a serious issue. Again, a different issue, but and one that actually I'm I'm more passionate about than guns. We understand that. (laughs) Uh, I I really care about uh, increasing the diversity of the profession. I and I'd rather I'd rather talk about that and devote my thoughts to that because I think it's um, it's something that needs to be addressed and it's something that I can make a difference on. Absolutely. And, and we'd love to have you back on the podcast to talk about that kind of thing when you're not being pigeonholed <laughs> into this one topic. We totally understand that, of course, and based on your many, many uh, years of, of work in, in architecture, academia and architecture, that you have, you have a much higher developed sense of what's going on generally than just on this one topic. So thanks so much for just sharing that thought in general. And we're glad to kind of bring the conversation up to a more general idea. Yeah, Dean Steiner, the commentary on the Archonnect website, as I said, got a little hectic, but uh, I just wanted you to hear one of the comments that someone named, uh, the commenter's name was Andrew O.F., I think is how it's pronounced, and it just it just says, as a graduate of the program, it is a shame to lose such a great dean. This new law is infuriating, to say the least. There is no need for guns in studios. So as Amelia said, obviously, it's it, we don't want this to be your entirely, you know, your entire legacy is about this topic. You clearly are leaving behind some students and I'm sure additional faculty that are very sad to see you go. So those kind of responses have been very heartwarming. The other kind of response that I, I certainly didn't expect were, were, were two kinds. And one 
were from parents, uh, both from parents from, from uh, students in my school, but parents at the University of Texas and at universities in general who expressed their support of this position. And then I, I received a couple messages from um, relatives of victims at um, well, Sandy Hook. Aww. And, um, you know, I'm sort of an unintended commentator um and and person in this discussion, and I realize that there are people whose lives have been so deeply affected, and um, they live with this all the time. And for me, I can go on to more happy topics and and uh, pursuits, but for them, their loss is something that's permanent, uh, permanent scar. So those messages um, have been particularly um, meaningful. Absolutely. That's, yeah, I have chills. That's so sad to think about. Thanks for bringing it to that thought. Thank you. And thank you so much for taking the time for it to talk with us on the podcast and sharing your thoughts. All right. Well, that's it for episode 55. Thanks again to our guest, Dean Fritz Steiner. And thanks to everyone out there listening. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach us on Twitter at our Twitter account, Arc Sessions, or with hashtag ArcConnect Sessions. You can also send us an email to connect at arconnect.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider rating us on iTunes and giving us a review. Watch out for our next one-to-one episode released each Monday. Make sure to subscribe to that separate from this podcast. And we will talk to you again next week.